0: Again, Christian, just thank you for, for sharing that. And, and, and Pete, thank you. That's, uh, you. know, Lutheran Bible translators, they, they do an amazing job of conveying God's word into languages for, for people all around the world to be able to hear and read God's word in their own native language. I mean, I don't think there's anything more Lutheran than that. right? That's, that's as Lutheran as, as can be, as, as Martin Luther translated the, the Bible into German so that, uh, so that his people could, could read it and have it. Uh, Lutheran Bible translators does an amazing job with that and uh, and and this is kind of the next step forward to, to put scripture into music for, for those that that connect so well with God with with song uh, to be able to put a, a beautiful medley together with uh, with the uh, the gorgeous words of God uh, so just continued prayers for for the endeavor that you guys are, are, are working on it's uh, just an amazing gift to, to offer to the world so uh, We've got this, this parable of the, the, the weeds and the wheat, um, and I, I really want you to take home today, just to, to be able to take heart, because you are planted in the kingdom now for a glorious harvest to come. This is one of those parables that Jesus speaks, and, and thank goodness he takes the time as the disciples ask this question, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? And he gives us his, his answer just to let us know exactly exactly. This is what this parable means. This is the truth that I am trying to convey to you. Um, and after this parable, things really start to heat up for Jesus. And the disciples are feeling more and more tension and pressure, realizing that, that when Jesus called to them on the, on the banks of, of the sea and said, Hey, lay down your nets. I want you to become fishers of men now. They had no idea the tension that they would be encountering. More and more tension politically is happening, more and more misunderstandings of Jesus' teaching, building tension with the religious leaders, it's all coming to a head. And in that context, in in just the mounting stress of the world, the disciples need Jesus to tell them something to to steady them, to calm them, to give them some some reassurance, to, to know that God is still reigning in the world. This parable talks about two separate kingdoms that are present in the world today. From a secular world, we're called to be right next to people who don't believe. We're we're, we're to be in the world, not of the world. And we have the wheat, the kingdom of God. Now, uh, just a a brief clarification moment. Sometimes scripture refers to the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's the kingdom of heaven. It's It's the same kingdom and, and rather than focus on the last word, the kingdom or, or excuse me, God or, or heaven, I really want to focus on the first word, the kingdom. Another translation of that is the reign, the reign of God. That he is reigning right now. Right now, God is reigning as the king of kings. And it's, it's this concept of it's, it's fully reigning now, but also not yet in full, right? We are eternal now. As, as people who believe in Jesus, we are eternal beings right now. Eternity has already started, but we still have this presence of evil in our life, the kingdom of the, of the enemy. Now, the kingdom to come, when, when Jesus returns, he will remove all evil from his kingdom now. Jesus sows wheat into the field, right? He plants us as sons and daughters into his kingdom. We are his, we are planted and growing and longing for the harvest to his return to to fully make things right, even ourselves. Uh, in several parables of the past couple of months, we've talked about the kingdom of God now, that, that the kingdom of God now is, is hidden, it's everywhere, and it's at work, even if we don't see it. And then the weeds, the kingdom of the enemy, first planted at the, at the fall, right? When, when, when the enemy asked Eve, did God really say, and those seeds were sown into the world. Now, literally, the the Greek word is is uh, zizania. It's a it's a degenerate form of wheat. I, I used to work uh, in in southern Kansas on the in the harvest and and then uh, the grain elevators. And one of the things we had to do on a regular basis was when a, a truck would come in to dump their load of wheat, we would probe the truck and check it for humidity. It couldn't be too moist, but it also we checked it for what we called cheat, which was Zazania. It kind of looked like wheat, but it was nowhere near wheat. Now, people and things, this this weeds, these weeds that the enemy has sown are, are, are the people and things that the devil puts into this world in order to impede the progress of the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes it's very, very obvious. You've got secularism, which rejects God completely, that everything is explainable, rational. uh, It's it's ultimately even without a purpose. We came into existence by accident, and we disappear at some point when, when our sun burns out, and that will be that. Or there's pop culture spiritualism, agnosticism, that there's something bigger than us, but we can't really know it with certainty. We can only seek to connect with it by whatever means suits our fancy. But sometimes, sometimes the the seeds that the the devil sows into the kingdom are not so obvious. It's important to note that the devil doesn't sow seeds that look entirely different from the wheat, right? It's not like he, he sows corn among the wheat. It's something that looks very, very similar. You know, Zazania and and wheat, as they're first growing, they look absolutely identical. They're grasses, they look like grass as they grow. Likewise, believers and unbelievers may be completely undistinguishable except by the fruit that they bear. We can all look very much alike sometimes. See, this parable isn't about blatant sinners and incredibly pious people more subtle and more scary to think about. because This parable is talking about the kingdom of God, the reign of God, and in today's context, it's talking about the church. And in the church, God has planted sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. And in the church, the devil has also planted sons and daughters. See, the wheat is not merely Uh, us here in church and the, the weeds, the riffraff that are busy sleeping off their Saturday night escapades. Here's the difficult part of this message. There are weeds here today sitting among the wheat. And there's some of you that are wondering, oh, shoot, which one am I? And there's some who are very confident And some of you who are very confident are confident for all the right reasons. And some of you who are confident are not confident for the right reasons. You see, simply coming to church doesn't make you wheat. The primary weed infestation that that Jesus is addressing here is is self-righteous hypocrisy. There are people here who are sons and daughters of the enemy without even knowing it. You look like Christians, you're moral, decent, very religious people. I think there are a lot of people who are, who are fooled into thinking they're Christian when they're not. This is kind of hard to preach as, as your pastor, but it's true. Now, here's a good signifier of whether you're a wheat or a weed. If you're worried or concerned or actually asking this question seriously about yourself, then you're, you're wheat. <laughs> if you worry about that, you're wheat. Take heart. See, false Christians are people who go through the, the motions religiously. Don't stop to ask this question. See, if you think that, that Christianity is, is about self-reformation, making good decisions, straightening up your life, If you think Christianity is something you do, then you don't really get it. How do you know if you're wheat or weeds? I love that Jesus chooses this kind of agricultural picture of of something that is all about growth and fruit. Right, if you are if you are the wheat, then you have this longing desire to to live a life of what you are, to, to live as you 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 live as somebody who has their identity in Christ, who, who yearns to grow closer and closer in their walk with God, who who yearns to make their life look more like Christ's, to be in the world, but not of the world. But not 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 to do that, though, to to impress God or to 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 make him think that you are deserving and worthy, but to do so because of what he has done for you, and out of a joy of knowing his grace and love, and desiring others to do and experience and encounter that same joy and grace and love. And like plants, we, we grow, right? We don't just stay the same. You don't just hit a plateau where you've arrived as a Christian but you wanna continue to grow, to grow into the likeness of Christ. See, the the counterfeit Christian is not interested in growing, just kind of performing. A Christian is someone who grows more and more confident in who Jesus is and what he's done, who grows in their trust that no matter how dark life gets or, or how difficult life circumstances are, grows in their trust that God has this incredibly insane promise to work even the horrible things of this world to our good. To grow in contentment and peace, especially during difficult times. To know that you are far more aware of your brokenness and far more appreciative of the grace that God has given to make you whole. Now make sure you hear this, like, like scripture ended today, he who has ears, let him hear. You are in the presence and the, in, the, in the kingdom of God now in all of its fullness, but you are still now in the presence of evil. Still in the presence of evil. There will be a day though. There will be this amazing day where we encounter the kingdom and the reign of God with evil completely removed from the equation. This is life in the kingdom of God, that we don't blame him, right? It's interesting to note that the, the servants of the, of the owner of the field, they went and said, didn't you, didn't you sow good seed? Well, wh- what were you thinking? Why did you, why did you plant all these weeds? But we love to blame God for the evil in this world. In fact, God gets a lots of blame for things that, that he didn't do. We should probably assign the blame where it's due. And Jesus in the parable says the enemy did this. There is a lot of work that the devil is doing in our world today. But praise be to God that even what the enemy does, the Lord works to our good. Sometimes it's hard to see that in the midst of the darkness, but I can promise you it is true. Maybe you need to put the blame for the evil and brokenness in this world in the the right place. To blame it on the devil. Blame it on Satan, the prince of this world, doing what he does, prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He is very much in this room today. Never doubt that. Never doubt his presence. Never doubt the fact that he is working hard in your life to pull you away from God. But also know that the things of this world have been overcome. That we believe and love a Savior who has done everything necessary to make that promise that nothing, nothing can pull us out of his hands. After the servants realize, well, we can't... uh, we can't blame the owner for, for sowing the weeds. The enemy did that, the devil did that. So the next thing is, well, do you want us to go fix it? Do you want us to pull the weeds out? This is really a question about playing God, right? We, well, we know better, let's go uproot the evil. And we love to do that, right? We love to point out where other people are wrong, whether it's politically or socially or sexually. Let's, let's just point the finger at the wrongness in this world and make it right. If we could just purify our environment and make everybody look and sound and act the way that we do, the world would be amazing. If we could just purify our environment from everything that's offensive to God. Oh wait, that would be us too. See, God in his incredible patience, he waits. You see good and evil doesn't just inhabit every every field in the same way but even in the same people there's no unqualified good people there's no unqualified bad people we all have good and bad inside the only result of a truly dedicated campaign to get rid of all evil in the world would be the abolition of absolutely everybody you see it's an act of grace that God allows the weeds to remain, right? We're, we're told to, to, to not worry about the, the, the speck in our neighbor's eye without first taking out the log in our own. It's tempting to think of ourselves as better, looking around to those with a weaker faith or a, a sleeping faith or faith with unrealized potential. But it's not for us to judge. You see, wheat can't pull weeds. You get that? Wheat can't pull weeds. That's the that's the farmer's job. That's the father's job. Judgment is so far beyond our pay grade. Condescending hypocritical judgment is never for us to do. Now, we are called to hold one another accountable in the in the relationships that we have in the Christian faith. But let's not become self-righteous hypocrites. We're also called to submit to the king. See, as sons and daughters of God, we have been transformed. Jesus restores how we think, how we feel, how we perceive life. We're revolutionized by the knowledge that Jesus has lived and died and rose again and promised to return for our well-being, for our salvation. The first mark of a person who's entered into the kingdom of God is to recognize that they have been accepted by God. Oh, the power of acceptance is huge. And not just the kind of acceptance that says, well, I'm going to just love you on the basis of all your merits and not your shortcomings. I remember the first time I felt true acceptance of knowing somebody knowing all of the bad about me and still loving and accepting me. You know, parts of the, the 12 steps, when you are, are healing and growing through recovery, you get to a place where you've, you've done your, your moral inventory, you've done your laundry list of all the bad that's in your life, all the brokenness, um, and then, then the horror of step five, when you share that with somebody. And I remember sharing my, 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 uh, my inventory, all of the worst of Tig, with my sponsor. And I, and I remember I was just staring at the paper because I didn't want to look him in the eye, because I was sure that there was just there was like just he was grossed out, he was he was uh, so disappointed, he was disgusted by me. And I and I remember finishing it and looking up at him. And I saw the eyes of Jesus. And I saw love and I saw acceptance. You know, true acceptance is when you've shared your worst with somebody, and they still love you. We have been accepted by God. You are accepted by God. Not because of how good you are, but in spite of how bad you are. You've been accepted by God. And that means that we submit to his rule in our life, that our lives are not our own. They've been bought with a price. We're not sent to to grow our own kingdoms, but to grow his. We're given the power and motivation to go out into this world and, and develop solutions to, to, to the brokenness in this world, to the sickness, to the poverty that's out there, to spread the kingdom, to grow, to sow more seeds into his kingdom, to bring the not yet into reality in small ways, in big ways. We lose pessimism about the world and we view it as redeemable. We believe in Christ's power to heal and to change. We expand expect God to bring healing and change. You seek to build his kingdom. You hunger for others to know the joy, the freedom, the life of a son and a daughter of the king most high. You say, because you saved me, because of what you did on the cross for me, because you forgave me, because you declared me right with God, I'll do anything you want. You are my king, and you patiently endure this parable we hear about the unimaginable patience of the father only the father and the father alone knows the day and the hour of the harvest and sometimes i found myself thinking especially during the last couple of years with covid and and all of the the craziness around that i've found myself thinking god just come like jesus come today would be great with me why don't you just bring your kingdom now But the reason he doesn't is there are still people who think that they are weeds, who think they are worthless weeds, that he knows they are wheat that just need more time. I know too many people who believe themselves to be worthless weeds that are actually wheat. Sons and daughters of God that just don't know it yet and because the father is patient he knows he's waiting for those for those faiths to fruit and because god is patient he grows patience in us we need him to grow patience in us to be long suffering that's really the definition of patience patience isn't just simply waiting it's long suffering to be long suffering in his reign that is now but not yet to bear our crosses to suffer for the good of the gospel, to endure this world, to resist the evil that daily wants to manifest itself in our souls, to have patience, to rejoice in our suffering as that builds perseverance and that builds character and that promotes hope that never disappoints in our life. To ache with awe for the coming harvest. And not just the harvest, but the harvest festival that happens after. To have that aching awe for the harvest. Jesus says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous are not those who have lived the best life, but those who have been declared righteous by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is is more radical and comprehensive than we can possibly imagine. And it's not coming completely immediately now, but there will be a day where it comes in all of its fullness. The kingdom of God to come will be the final solution to all our problems in this world. See, our problems go far deeper than just political or cultural or psychological. The reason there is so much misery in this world is because reality is broken. There is an evil, a cancer that is eating away at our lives. Everything is distorted. Everything is broken. And Jesus says, I'm bringing into the earth... this this revolution of the God, of God, this power of God that will go to the heart of every evil and the condition of the world and the kingdom of God when it comes in its fullness. We get this amazing picture in Revelation 21 that he will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. There will be no more cancer, Alzheimer's, or arthritis, no more depression, mood disorders, or anxiety, no more homeless, homelessness, or hunger, or poverty, no more anger, violence, or war. The former things will have passed away. He's making everything new. It's unimaginable. And Jesus invites us today to imagine the unimaginable kingdom of God to come. I so want you to take heart with whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're persevering through. Take heart and know that that kingdom of God to come is unbelievable. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I I lift up everybody in this room today who is suffering and struggling. I pray that you would bring them comfort and assurance, not knowing that, that you are here to to bring healing in the here and now but that the healing to come will make all of our problems seem so small. God, we praise you for for declaring us righteous not because of who we are or how we live but because of who you are and what you've done to redeem, restore, to make us new. God, give us eyes to see and to look forward to incredible kingdom to come. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and healing name. Amen.